You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. This morning's scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those who he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm that the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was at school at Albion College, I worked in the library on campus, and my shift often ended at two in the morning. And my job in particular was to tend the periodicals desk which the Albion College Library has been renovated since my time there, long ago it feels like at this point. But in those days, the periodicals desk was on the far side of the building, and it's where you would find your newspapers and your medical journals and your magazines, and it did not attract as much traffic as other areas of the building. And when I started my 2 a.m. shift, there were usually plenty of people around at 10 at night, 11 at night, by the time you reached midnight, the crowds started to thin out. Now, I also worked at the periodicals desk occasionally during the day, and during the day there were lots of people around all the time, and there were additional things that I had to do. I'd get the mail each day, and I'd check in the new journals, and I'd put the little magnetic tape on them to make sure that if they got taken out of the door, uh, they would set off an alarm, that kind of thing. But at night, my main job was just to keep watch, to be available in case somebody had a question. There wasn't that much to do. The library felt different at night, at least to me, and it was as if the darkened skies outside and the quiet interior of the library made things feel a little bit more mysterious, a little bit more solemn and unknowable. And for me, there was something magical about walking back to my dorm or my apartment after my shift in silence, under a starry sky, looking up 
at the vastness of the heavens. Now, working at a library until 2 a.m. is like the easy version of night work. There are plenty of people who work through the night on a regular basis and like the entire night. And whether it's in a hospital or a factory or stocking shelves overnight, this is not necessarily easy work like I experienced at the library. My brother-in-law works the night shift and often at family gatherings, he looks really tired because we're all gathering at noon and that's a fine time for us, but he would normally be sleeping. And so he looks exhausted. It takes a certain kind of person to work through the night on a regular basis. And that's who the message of Jesus' birth comes to first these shepherds working through the night. And these shepherds would have been ready for anything. Many predators are more active at night. Thieves looking to steal sheep, they would have been more likely to come out under the cover of darkness than they would during the day. And in some ways, working at night would have felt less predictable than working during the day, simply because it's a time when most people are sleeping. You can't always see what's in front of you. Visibility is limited. And you might not be able to see immediately when a sheep starts to stray from the flock. You might not be able to see immediately where the footing is a little bit precarious or where you may need to be more watchful. So you had to be alert. You had to be on your toes to be a shepherd in the nighttime. These shepherds were prepared to handle any kind of situation. But they weren't prepared for what happened that night. They weren't prepared to meet angels. They were ready for wolves or hyenas or jackals. They weren't ready for heavenly messengers. They expected to meet threats. They expected to protect the flock. They were not expecting to meet the Messiah, baby Jesus, born in a manger. This was outside of the realm of what they were ready for. And I think it tells us a lot about God, about Jesus, that the first to hear about Christ's birth were shepherds. Herding sheep was difficult work. It was smelly work. It could be strenuous. It could be physically exhausting. And meanwhile, these people were not the first to be on a royal guest list. This was a profession that was not held uh, in particularly high esteem in terms of people that you'd want at a fancy party. And yet it's also a profession with a really rich history. If you look back in scripture, one of the first people recorded in scripture was a shepherd, Abel, the son of Adam and Eve. He was a shepherd tending to the flock. Abraham, who followed God's call to faraway places, and then his son Isaac and his son Jacob, they were all shepherds. Moses, the one who parted the Red Sea, he heard God's call come to him in the form of a burning bush while he was out tending a flock for his father-in-law, Jethro. And then perhaps most notably, David, was a shepherd. You remember him, the one who rose to be king of all of Israel and unite the people and do all these amazing things along with a few human flaws along the way. He started as the youngest son, unnotable in his family, tending the sheep. These are the kinds of people God uses to change the world. Those who we deem unworthy or perhaps just unremarkable out there tending the flock. David writes the words, that are so famous in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So on the one hand, shepherds 
it's kind of this humble profession to be a shepherd, relegated to long hours, often working at night, uh, bringing home the smell of the sheep on your clothes, ostracized by some in society of the day. And yet, on the other hand, God has used many such shepherds to impact the future of the world, to lead and accomplish amazing things. Other parts of scripture say it, lifting up the lowly, making the first last and the last first. Jesus says that later on. And so shepherds fundamentally, I think, are caretakers. They're people who watch a flock. They're people who watch out for the sheep. And Jesus himself later is described as the good shepherd. You remember this, the one who takes care of the sheep, meaning us, when we wander off, when we are in danger, when we're doing something weird. And yet Jesus is also described as the lamb, the one who is innocent, the one who is offered on behalf of others. There's so much about sheep and shepherds in the Bible. Do you remember one of the last things Jesus says to Peter? He says, feed my sheep, implying that the disciples too are like shepherds, those who care for the flock. And if we follow Jesus' model, we too then become like shepherds caring for others in our midst. Words about sheep, words about shepherds, you can find them throughout all of scripture. It's a really rich tradition. But one of the most critical moments happens in this passage that we read, that Pastor Jeremy read this morning. Angels appear to the shepherds out in the fields, telling them about the birth of the Messiah. Before the kings know, before Herod knows, before anybody else knows, the angels come to the shepherds. First ones to hear the news in this way. And although they could not possibly have been prepared for this moment, they drop everything. They get up. They run to Bethlehem to see what has happened. This is a season when most of us, many of us, ostensibly spend an entire month getting ready for Christmas. Are any of you ready? Well, you're not going to raise my hand. You raise your hand after that kind of intro, I guess. But we light candles on our Advent wreath. We sing Christmas music. People bake. People cook. People open doors on Advent calendars. Uh, you might clean your house or shop or make crafts or decorate. In a way, it's like we're saying, "Okay, we're ready for anything, anything that might happen on Christmas." But in another sense, maybe we're not quite ready for anything. God has a way of surprising us. Most of us are ready for the ordinary kinds of things. We're ready for holiday stress. We're ready for opening presents, hopefully. You got a few more hours if you're not. You might be ready for some potential squabbles. You might be ready for attending services. They're here today. You're ready for that. You might be ready for the excitement of seeing family. You might be prepared for some grief. For those who are not with us, you might be prepared for some complexity that comes with families and emotions and Christmas time. These are the things we know. And yet God continues to show up in unexpected ways. We're not always on the lookout, and so we don't always notice the ways Christ is appearing in our midst. Christ can surprise us as the person who comes to church for the very first time on Christmas Eve. Do you know how much courage it takes to visit a new church for the very first time? It takes a lot of guts to walk through those doors. And Christ can surprise us in that way. Christ can surprise us as laughter. 
that appears in the midst of tears. Christ can surprise us as a sign of reconciliation in a relationship that we thought was broken. Christ can surprise us by softening our hearts so that maybe we're ready to forgive in a place where we weren't before. Christ can surprise us by warming our hearts so that we feel compelled to reach out and show a sign of care or affection or reconciliation of our own. Christ can nudge us to do things and to show care in ways that we maybe wouldn't otherwise. Christ can surprise us in the kind acts that we witness towards somebody else. Even when we're prepared for anything, God can still surprise us. God can still cause us to wonder, to pause, to be amazed, to be shocked, to marvel at what has happened or what is happening around us. And they don't have to be big dramatic things for us to take a moment and have wonder. I tried to think of something when I was working at the Albion College Library that was really surprising. And I racked my brain, I thought there had to be something. Maybe not a choir of angels, but maybe there were some rogue Christmas carolers or the fire alarm went off or something happened that was just a really great story and I came up with nothing. It was a rather predictable job working at the periodicals desk. But as I thought through memories of that job and the time logged in the library, some of the best moments happened when friends stopped by to chat or to work on their homework next to me. I had one friend who would bring her English homework and read out interesting passages aloud when she found something that was worthy of commentary. And these are mundane things, friends stopping by to chat or do homework. And yet, they're also surprising in their own way, worthy of some wonder, worthy of pausing to say, hey, that's actually pretty awesome. Kindness compassion, taking the time to be with people we care about. Many of the acts you and I will witness or participate in in the days ahead, these are really amazing things. These are things worthy of giving thanks for. These are things that should cause us to stop for a moment and say, I'm really thankful to be here. I'm really thankful to be experiencing this. I'm really grateful to be alive and part of this moment. And these moments may not cause us to gasp or jump or be afraid, thank goodness for that. It might not be the kind of surprise that the shepherds got, and yet these things are no less surprising in their own way when they happen. Because when we experience God's grace, when we see evidence of God's goodness and the goodness of creation, when we remember Jesus born as a baby in a manger, that's miraculous. That's worthy of wonder. It's worth running to see. It's worth taking a pause to say, thank God for this moment. There's a lot of Christmas Eve ahead of us. And whether you're coming back for another service at 11 or 4 or 6 or 8 or 10, or you're going to be with family or friends or whatever you're doing today, may we be the kind of people who are ready for anything. May we be the kind of people who are surprised in the best way when we see compassion and grace at work. And may we be people who rekindle our sense of wonder.
starting now, taking it with us in the days ahead. God is here and God is good. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.